Welcome back to the Fundraising Radicals podcast. I'm your host, Craig Pollard. Now, if you're a regular listener, you may have noticed that we've switched these episodes from landing fortnightly to monthly. We've learned a lot over the last few months as we've set this podcast up, as we've found our rhythm and what works. We are in this for the long term. Our promise to you is that every month, We'll continue to explore new global perspectives on fundraising and leadership from Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and Latin America that challenge us all to think differently about our communities, our causes, and our charities and their place in the world. Today's fundraising leadership conversation comes from Jakarta in Indonesia, the world's most generous country. No country in the world gives as much per capita to charities. This conversation is with Luki Kurniawan, who is the Director of Support Operations for Yayasan Care Peduli, Care International's lead NGO partner in Indonesia. Luki's remit includes coordinating the whole internal structure of YCP to deliver its strategic objectives with responsibility for fundraising thrown in too. We're going to be talking about the practical side of corporate partnerships, where they come from, how to build them, how to present costs and budgets, that level of detail, and how to manage expectations and relationships along the way. Lucky, welcome to the Fundraising Radicals podcast. It's wonderful to have you here today. How are you? Good. Thank you, Craig. So it's uh, wonderful to meeting you finally. <laughs> Brilliant. So tell me, Lucky. Where are you based? What work do you do? Yeah, I'd love to hear more about your work. Okay. Thanks again, Craig, for having me here. So my name is Luki. I joined uh, Yayasan Care Peduli in uh, November 2019. So my current uh, position is the Director of uh, Support and Operation. And one of the additional roles in my responsibility is to build the foundation for business development in YCP. So that is includes the fundraising initiatives, which uh, YCPs is now focusing on the corporate or uh, domestic uh, partnership with the companies instead of doing the mass marketing uh, uh, initiatives. And why did YCP, uh, Yayasan Care Peduli, decide, make that choice to not pursue mass marketing, but to pursue corporate partnerships? Okay, that is a good question. So uh, we think, uh, although it's not uh, proven by the uh, research or studies, but we think the market uh, for uh, mass marketing is uh, already saturated uh, because uh, many competition here, the UN and other uh, NGOs doing the same thing. And uh, secondly, we're just a baby in this uh, sector. Although we inherited the Care International Indonesia legacy in in, uh, in uh, development sector in Indonesia as a YCP, which is uh, five years uh, old now, <laughs> so and the second, uh, we we tend to use the our uh, funding uh, investment effectively, uh, so we targeted the companies or potential companies who has who has the same vision in a gender or humanitarian or uh, other kind of sector that relates to gender. So uh, we can uh, target our uh, investment uh, effectively to get the funding uh, to fund our project. And the third one is uh, the charity uh, 
in Indonesia doesn't have any tax benefit for individuals. So I think there is a, a challenge for us to obtain the uh, funding from the individual. So they tend to uh, giving uh, their money for uh, cost-related uh, purposes such as disaster uh, or uh, other kinds of uh, humanitarian. Or if we can uh, find from the research, the World Charity Index in 2022 uh, shown that Indonesia has the highest uh, rating on charity. But most generous country in the world, yeah, in terms of charitable giving. Yeah, of, yeah, definitely. But I, I assume there is include the zakat, which is based on majority of communities in Indonesia are Muslims. So there is includes the zakat. It's opposite uh, uh, research. Uh, if you can find, uh, or we can we can read from the Center for Philanthropy and uh, Center for Asia Philanthropy and Society, Indonesia is a third category. It's which is the charity uh, the charity initiative is. Uh, doing well under the doing well category. So it's below the Singapore and uh, Hong Kong in terms of the charity. So I think those are the three major uh, concerns why we target uh, why we target the companies instead of the individual. Of course, we're still uh, studying uh, and then uh, collect the uh, potential wealthy individual who have the intention to, to support our programs. And do you find there's a lot of crossover between those wealthy individuals in Indonesia and the corporate fundraising and the partnerships? Yeah, that's uh, correct, Greg. Because many of the wealthy individuals, they have a, uh, they are like conglomerates who has a, a multinational or global companies, and then uh, I think uh, twenty thirty percent of the MNCs or multinational companies in Indonesia is. Uh, owned by the conglomerates, such as uh, you, you may uh, want to recall the Indo Food Group, the uh, FMCG uh, companies. So I think uh, that uh, uh, relates to the domestic private sectors. Yeah. So when you're meeting these people, do you have it in your head that you're thinking about a corporate partnership or a, or a private donation, or does it really depend on the circumstances? Yeah, I think it depends on the circumstances because there are uh, three types of, we call it donation in the perspective of the, of the company. One is uh, they tend to make a large uh, donation or not donation, large investment because they have, uh, the companies may have the tax uh, holiday for in any investment who are, uh, which are invested, reinvested in domestic. So they, they, they will, ha- they will have a, a, a tax holiday for that purpose. I think, uh, yeah, uh, in a simple way, uh, it's uh, in a, a accounting terms, they can capitalize the cost for that investment under the uh, balance sheet. So I think it's uh, the value of the company may bigger and feasible for the, for other investor or the banking to, to fund the, the, the company. And second, there is a mandatory CSR expand, uh, CSR initiative for the comp- for the company uh, within a spe- uh, particular sectors. For example, mining, uh, banking, or or uh, or manufacture. So they must give away a certain percentage of their profits to charities and causes. 
Yeah, 10% of their uh, profit, I think, earning after tax profit or something. And the third one is a, is a charity, uh, charitable uh, uh, giving, which is uh, comprised of the uh, disaster uh, prevention and management, and secondly, for sports and for education or other social infrastructure. Will That will be considered under uh, expenses, uh, eligible expenses uh, for the company to uh, reduce the tax. And do you find that these corporate partnerships in Indonesia are, are, are really focused on the cash exchange and the cash transaction? Or, or do, they, do they go deeper than that? Is there volunteering? Is there staff engagement? Is there sort of introducing to customers and other markets? What is the depth of these partnerships that you're seeing? Okay, I think uh, the, the first layer is a cash transaction cash transaction base uh, for uh, the donation or uh, the social investment. For the company who has already the ESG or they have a well-structured sustainability programs, they may want to involve in our uh, project. Although it's a light touching or light relationship uh, between their employees or their uh, high, uh, high executive in our programs, uh, as well as they like to uh, maybe uh, complement our project with others. For example, like uh, matchmaking uh, the project initiative that is uh, impactful and benef- uh, beneficial with, uh, with, with the similar sectors. Interesting. So, so you're seeing that it's 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 interesting that you're seeing the different layers of uh, of these corporate partnerships, but that they it sounds like they are starting with the cash transaction and then building from there. Correct. And. You so you have a very interesting past as well because because you a lot of your career has been spent on the other side of these funding partnerships, working with the Ford Foundation, Tanoto Foundation. Yeah, I, I'm really interested in in that perspective as well on on sort of NGOs in Indonesia. What is the perspective and the view from the funders? What are the challenges you have as a, you had? as a funder and, and what are the things you saw that causes and charities could do better at when it comes to approaching uh, organizations for funding yeah I, thank you greg i think there is a, the, the relevant in, in indonesia to consider our costing method because most of the companies they don't want to pay the overhead or the commu- or the or the what you call it the management fees or uh, indirect costs is too high. The rough percentage is below five percent. So if we can pack the uh, or we can we can have sort of uh, like a methodology, the correct methodology to present our uh, project cost or investment cost to the private sectors, I think that would be very very helpful for us to either to maintain our, our uh, uh, impact uh, of the project as well as to sustain our organization. So in the common practice, most of the NGOs, they present the cost conservatively yeah. with, uh, between the program, project, and then they, they present also the, the organization cost for uh, personal salaries, uh, maintenance, etc., etc. So uh, it's different with the uh, with the in the US where they have uh, like a certain percentage of ICR. Uh, it's uh, uh, defined by the 
internal revenue services in the US so the NGOs they have us like a, like 2.3 to up to uh, to up to 3% of the uh, indirect uh, overhead costs yeah so in indonesia it's we it's i think we need to have a different uh, angle for presenting our budget uh, so and then calculate the for example like roi what is the benefit what is the impact for the, uh, for the company if they do the investment it feels like it's not just up to the charities to keep pushing down their their overheads because that's not sustainable yeah. it's not you know overhead is 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 your salary for example it's it, it these are vital parts of the organization that without which the project is not possible to deliver so i i, I remember um the the director of the the ford foundation Darren Walker talking about this and he said that it's it's arrogant of funders to assume that not or not be willing to pay for the costs that make their project possible which is the overhead I mean do you think how able are you to advocate and to change the mindset of of funders in in regards to the importance of of so-called overheads yeah to me it's an opposite perspective between the companies and the philanthropic uh, sector. So I think the in the past uh, years, most of the philanthropists, the leading philanthropic uh, organizations such as Ford, Rockefeller, they push uh, the, uh, or either AVPN, Asia Venture Philanthropic Network, they push uh, the, the, the grants into the unrestricted to build the local uh, organization to advance the capacity of the local organization and uh, to more to be more competitive and in the other way uh, from the company's perspective they they tends to see whether the project or the investment is goes that will will be go directly into the project there is relates so they would have like a rational where the where the money uh, will be spent uh, spent for, instead of going to the person, maybe for for them it's okay if the money is expended for the personnel, but it's uh, for the personnel who are directly working with them. Of course, the direct the direct project costs they're happy with, but they're they they're constantly pushing back on on the things that they don't consider as direct, but which are super important for delivering projects and programs. Correct. So I think it's about the our uh, me- uh, costing method to what you call it to to integrate certain percentage of overhead into the into the uh, direct cost. For example, if you buy a mineral water, there there is a percentage of the overhead, right? Of course. In the product. Of course. Yeah. I think uh, I think the calculation is is a more more or less it's a kind of manufacture or a business uh, perspective. So I think it's uh, for them. Or for the companies, it's, it's more understandable, and rationally they can accept uh, the cost uh, allocation. And I guess companies are set up to create value for themselves. So even when it comes to non-profit partnerships, they're seeking value from these. And I think it's important that that's always that's almost always the mindset. Yeah, correct. Agree. So I think you're creating the value and uh, impact for their for their business. I think that that is uh, uh, important as well. 
And and how do you how do you communicate? Because you know you you have I can see you sort of talking in the language of companies. You're talking about value and you know value propositions, etc. How how are you sort of communicating that value and the impact uh, on on the company? Yeah, uh, I think uh, in my past experience, uh, uh, we communicate first and uh, for all is gender. Uh, the companies who has the vision to uh, on a gender equality uh, purpose. So I think that's I think common and then the most uh, easiest way uh, to bring that uh, or align our value with the organization. The secondly is the, the through the SDGs, the contribution to SDGs, whether the company uh, uh, has a target that they may want to contribute to certain uh, SDGs so we can uh, integrate their uh, vision into ours. And the third one is, uh, of course, uh, in terms of the uh, size of the investment. We, we may propose some of the uh, project approach, but again, it depends on the size of the funding, right? So we can, we will need to, to tailor, uh, to, to tailor made or tailor the, the, the cost structure or the area or the targeted beneficiaries. It's a, the economic principle. I think they, they want to maximize the, the investment for the project. Yeah. And, and apart from the sort of the cost part, what, what are the other challenges that you find in these corporate partnerships? What are the big challenges that you find? Uh, I, yeah, okay. I think to my experience is uh, the big challenge is the layer of uh, leadership in the, co- in the company because uh, the, most of the CSR or ESG investment, even in the internal organization, the size is decided by the board or the, the, the sustainability committee. So it may take a long or uh, back and forth communication when we are talking about the, the potential project with the company. Some of them, they we can we can uh, predict uh, the estimated uh, CSR budget, but again, uh, maybe they, they they have already the cost for branding or government relationship into the CSR budget, and it's a big chunk for for the company. And, and it's more a benefit to utilize the, the, the budget for communication and government relations. It is interesting that you're competing against funding for building government relationships and uh, and marketing and branding as well. And this is all, is, is that where the CSR budgets tend to sit um, uh, alongside these things? Yeah, for particular business, yes. So they have like uh, set aside some funding for to be directly spent for the community. There is the tangible project, for example, rehabilitate the school, renovation the, the mosque, for example, or uh, either uh, uh, donate uh, some funds for, uh, for the social infrastructure, for example. And then for the structure project, like the uh, NGO usually uh, propose, I think it's uh, challenging for us to discuss the rationale as well as the values of the project to the company. But if we can uh, have the same understanding with the company, 
I believe there, there, there will be a long-term relationship built with the company as well. So I think it's hard uh, approach in, in the beginning, but I think uh, with the correct or uh, appropriate approach that we can, we can also have the potential long-term uh, relationship with the company. And, and tell me, tell me about your approach when it comes to building from these. You know, it's, it's difficult to get these uh, corporate partnerships to start with. But w- what is your approach to building them once you have them? Uh, yeah, I think uh, maintain uh, or optimize the moment of truth when we had connection with the company, with the with the company's representative. I mean. So maintain the, the positive relationship and then either we have a project or we don't have any project with them. Maintaining relationship is, an, is uh, important. Maybe they, 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 they don't have budget for this year, but if, if they have a budget for next year, they, they may invite us uh, to present the other types of the project uh, proposal that we can, we can uh, uh, propose to them. So you're, you're you're staying visible. You're staying sort of front of mind, being there. Yeah. It once you once you have your foot in the door, you're there and correct reminding them regularly that you're there. Yeah, and we send them the, uh, for example, for any of the event, we can we can inform them to be involved or to be uh, participated in our event, or we just uh, send a fact sheet for our project. So it brings them the idea or uh, perspective. On what we are doing, yeah, and so so that's the sort of building. Where do you see, or where are your corporate partnerships coming from? What are, what are the sort of origins of where do you find them? Uh, yeah, so far we we find the corporate partners through the desktop studies, for example, from their uh, prospectus, from their annual report, from the uh, downloaded from the website, and then uh, we are trying as much as possible the companies who are work, uh, operating in the project area. For example, we are working in Serang in Banten province. So we are trying to scale up our project and propose the, the some of the activities to be funded by the other companies based in Serang. And, and are you, are you um, also working through individuals as well wealthy connected individuals to are they providing you with introductions or opportunities for new corporate partnerships uh yeah i think if uh, the companies is owned by the individual which is uh, most of the of the domestic private sectors is in indonesia is uh, uh, non public uh, companies so i think it that that will that will be leverage uh, uh leveraging our profile if we can get connected uh, with the with the owner or with the with the wealthy uh, individuals if you're enjoying this conversation and would like to hear other global perspectives on fundraising and leadership in the nonprofit sector then please do subscribe using the links in the show notes if you want to find out more about our work please do visit our website fundraisingradicals.com now back to the conversation and when it comes to the the, the, the bigger corporates, the, uh, I guess you're working and identifying which staff members to to engage, and yeah. and how are you taking those first steps? How do you approach them? I think from the third or second layer, first the SASR. But if possible, we might want to approach the the head of sustainability at least 
so they have a, a decision making capacity to uh, elaborate more on the perspective or on the on the initiative that the company has yeah. before the proposal gets to the board of uh, the or the board of the sustainability committee so you you're sort of constantly advocating at different levels i guess yeah. board level at csr team uh, and and having those multiple levels of relationship can only be a positive thing for the sustainability of these partnerships as well correct because people move on within corporates within within ingos as well so it's important to have these multiple layers yeah correct correct yeah i agree with you that uh, i think it's a uh, it's uh, the purpose is to uh, avoid the miscommunication when the project is allowed, uh, when the project launch so we have uh, i think at the beginning it's uh, it, it would be good if we have uh, already uh, a positive uh, communication with all level of the company yeah yeah absolutely and and managing those expectations in those early days because it's it's quite easy for non-profits to to overpromise as well to, to to land a corporate partnership and it's 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 hard to come back from that so it's there's a sense of of keeping expectations clear and and you know managing what's possible yeah correct that that's also the uh, i think uh, in the discussion that we have to also maintain the expectation with the investor or the sponsor and we also want to or consider our internal capacity to to achieve those kind of expectation and and can you tell me about a partnership that's going really well and you know without naming names necessarily but are there are there uh, corporate partnerships or other partnerships that that really excite you and are and are working well i think in ycp which is only uh, uh, one corporate partners that was uh, contact me contacted me directly in late 2019 i think it's uh, it's about 2 months after i i was on board with the ycp so the discussion was was going like 2 years for for different kind of perspective first is to carry out the study and then and then and then elaborate the study with the eco, uh, sustainable ecotourism and then the final project approved and 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 it's uh, it's uh, ongoing now is a stunting project in uh, in west sumbawa so it's a 3 years uh, project uh, started uh, in in mid last year 2022 until 2025 i think the investment uh, investment cost is viable for us to to carry out the project and within uh, i think uh, the first year we are doing well the companies also receive some awards from the government as well as uh, awards from the association because uh, our uh, the project uh, the stunting project in uh, in which they are uh, funded yeah that's great to hear i i like how you're 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 sort of leading with your purpose and values that you're you're saying look these are the companies we think share our world view and they are committed to gender equality as a starting point and that sort of approach that proactive approach to corporate partnerships makes things much easier but are there uh, sectors or types of organizations uh, that you won't work with uh yeah i think uh, there are many potential uh, sectors uh, create 
in terms of uh, maybe the company has the priority in health sector, but we can also integrate the gender or disaster risk management into the project. But I think we, we, we can start the small investment first, like two, three uh, types of uh, initiative, like training workshop, and then we can uh, we can build on the next project if they are interested in investing in those initiatives. Yeah. So build small to target the more uh, uh, the bigger investment. And that and that's what it comes down to, right? The the building, the the deliberate, consistent building of these corporate partnerships, and and it it takes time in terms of the length of time, but it also takes your time internally to keep progressing and maintain the momentum of these partnerships how much of your time because you have a very big role across the whole organization how much of your time is is put into put into these partnerships and building these partnerships yeah i don't have sort of like a calculation for for that but but uh, i think if we are progressing with the proposal or a potential uh, partners I don't want to lose the, the those chances or opportunities, so I think that we have to be uh, more aggressive yeah. if we are talking about the potential uh, project uh, in place. And if for the regular maintenance uh, communication for updates, so I think it it doesn't uh, cost me a lot in terms of the of my time. Okay. And do you have other do you have other staff members working with you on fundraising, or are you doing this all alone? Last time it was Kedung. <laughs> <laughs> but Kedung has moved on now. <laughs> yeah, last time it was Kedung, but, but now I'm working. Uh, so so uh, after he left the, uh, the YCP, so I have some ideas to integrate the, his uh, position. Also to perform some of the project uh, design. Yeah, It's like a repackaging of our project. Yeah. It is uh, suitable for the company, so so I would like to name the position uh, as a, a portfolio analyst or portfolio design, which the fundraising or funding uh, and business development is part of the, of the uh, function. And how how easy is it to recruit? Because you know it's it it's it's difficult to recruit everywhere um, for for sort of that sort of role. How how easy is that? How difficult is that to re- sort of roll that? portfolio that that private sector partnerships funding role how difficult is that to recruit to in jakarta somewhere like jakarta yeah i think there is a, we'll see uh, whether uh, how many applicants <laughs> for that position i think yeah i think uh, uh, integrating the sustainability approach from the companies and and then with the with the value from care uh, ycps i think it's a, it's a challenging but I think it's it's possible for them to learn and then to uh, uh, elaborate the, the the value of the project into uh, into something interesting. I think that's uh, still possible, although it's uh, challenging in the in the recruitment. <laughs> of course, and then and then after the recruitment as well, it's is if you're if you're recruiting somebody from the private sector, it's. It's a cultural transition as well, coming from the private sector into an organization like YCP. How do you manage that? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I would rely on my 
experience working with the private uh, sector and then the UN system as well as the global philanthropic sectors. So uh, to align the value of work or um, the per- and the purpose of the organization is important for them to uh, catch up or to uh, to make uh, themselves fit in into the the objective of the of the organization as well. I think yeah, uh, coaching, mentoring, and then uh, and then I think the frequent discussion should be uh, in place or should be carried out with the team as well as to the top leadership, just to uh, ensure the alignment uh, of the of our work with the strategic objective. Greg, it is very difficult. I I moved from the private sector into a charity, and I found that cultural shift very difficult even on a practical (laughs) even on a really daily to-day basis you're the lack of stationery or having to provide my own laptop for example (laughs) it's just like it it was it was it was a real shock shock to the system having come from uh somewhere like kpmg into the into the charity sector and i um it's it's not easy that um that transition we talk a lot about transferable skills from the private sector but actually transferring them is is the art and it's really it's really helpful to hear you sort of outline how that the 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 amount of effort that you'll put in to that because that makes that transfer and transition possible yeah Um, and it's such a big investment okay in 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 one of these roles to focus on corporate partnerships that you have to factor in this additional time to help people settle in and land and manage their expectations and everyone else around them particularly when it comes to something kind of shiny and high profile as as corporate partnerships within the organization yeah great great so i think yeah we have uh, as a as a uh, at the top leadership uh, role is also need to be patient and investing their time to just uh, make sure that that the function will be performing uh, well. And how well do the board and, and other senior leadership members understand their, their sort of role within corporate partnerships of, of building relationships and, and engaging? Yeah, I think they, so the, the TOR for this position uh, is, uh, I think it's a back and forth uh, communication with the board as well, especially board of supervisors uh, who are, concern on, on our financial health. So uh, we integrate their inputs and uh, their consideration uh, for this position. So uh, it's not ideal, but I think it's more unideal for us if we don't have the, the person in place. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, of course. But, but you know, it... it these are imperfect <laughs> we, are, we have imperfect organizations and imperfect people so it's it's making ourselves and our organizations less imperfect right and, and working with what we have and, and and it's often easy to i find it it can be quite distracting uh, you know looking to other corporate partnerships and other organizations that are thriving in this place and, and just it's it's sometimes really hard to remember that where we're starting from our resources our people are very different to those and that it's important to ground ourselves in our own uh, sort of corporate partnerships reality yeah correct right yeah i agree so that's it's, it's helpful brilliant uh thank you so much for your time today lucky i'm massively grateful for joining for you joining the podcast and thank you for sharing so much helpful 
practical advice, particularly on corporate partnerships. That's massively appreciated. Thank you. No worries. I, I'd like to also thank you, Craig, for having me again in this uh, uh, session. So I hope that uh, the information is uh, useful and benefit for you to elaborate the programs in uh, fundraising radicals. So good luck for the initiatives. So we're looking forward to hear more from you. Wonderful. This was a really interesting conversation for me. I've always enjoyed the challenges and opportunities of initiating and building corporate partnerships as the points where two very different worlds, cultures, ideologies collide. It was great to hear Luki's perspectives and ideas and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of the Fundraising Radicals podcast or find out more about the Fundraising Radicals and our work, please do visit our website at fundraisingradicals.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.